You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. This message comes from our 2014 Desperation Conference, Jesus Reigns. For more information, visit us at desperationonline.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You guys feeling good? Doing well? Good. Good. Well, hey, my name is Dan, and it is an honor to get to be with you this morning. Uh, I truly mean that. I mean, over the past two and a half days, it's amazing to me as I've gotten to participate with you in desperation. And standing on this stage has been some of my heroes and my best friends sharing their heart. And so it is just an incredible honor for me to get to come and, and be with you and share with you today. And it's really cool, even, even uh, looking at when we talk about this idea of Jesus reigns. And uh, if, you, if you watch the video, how many of you guys watched the video back home? Anybody watch the video back home before you came, right? Because so in the video, you see like this, this red string. Anybody see red string? You see red string all over the place. Shout back. Listen, I'm going to need you guys to talk to me. Is that okay? Can you talk to me in the morning? If you can, if you can talk to me, everybody say, I hear you. I'll talk to you. Let's, let's practice. Everybody say, amen. Everybody say, come on. Everybody say, yitchy. All right, good, 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 good. All right, well, so, so we've seen this, this theme, right, where, where this, this, red, this red string and, and the idea of Jesus reigns, right, is that throughout history we've seen God moving and, and we've seen in, in whatever scenarios happen, whatever, we can see that God is moving still and that Jesus still reigns. And it's been incredible for me this weekend or this week to see kind of that red string connecting this conference. And if you go through from, from David to Banning, if you, if you see from Amy and Brandon and Mike, when, when we look through the message and just what is the string of connection, I think it's really clear. Here's what, it, here's what you need to hear God saying to you this week. He's saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I want to use you. I want to use you to advance my kingdom. He's saying, I like you. Now let's go. He's saying, you are the one that I'm fascinated with. You are the one that I love. Now let's go do something about it. Let's go change the planet. And that's what we see. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. It's been incredible to see what the Lord has done. If God has moved in your life, this already at Desperation 2014, give me a shout. It's awesome. It's awesome. So I want to talk today about this idea of, okay, we come to desperation and, and we're here, and we, we experience God, and, and, and then now what? And we're going to go home, and, and what do we do next when we go home? And, and I think so many of you, God was saying, I want to use you. I want to I put dreams in your heart. I want to see you lead your generation. I want to see you advance my kingdom. And, and so I believe that today God wants to drop some of those dreams in your heart. Some of the dreams of what's next, where do we go from here? So 1 Corinthians 9, 24. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I'm going to talk about running the race today. I love, I love how Paul is using this. And now, listen, I'm just, I'm kind of a sports guy. I like sports. It's who I am. So some of you look at me and you're like, well, that's you and I don't get that. And why do preachers always use sports? I don't know, but I just like them. So I'm going to, right? But anybody ever been to like, anybody ever been to a game? Any kind of game, right? Anybody ever been to a game? 
I, I like to go to games. I love going to, uh, I love going to Nuggets games, even though they're not any good, but hopefully next year, because we're, we're really into team this year. I like going to Rockies games, even though they're not any good, but, uh, but it's fun to watch, and, and, and it's a beautiful night in Colorado looking out over the mountains. I love to go to Sooners games because they dominate. I just love to go to games. But you kind of are, are, are you're at the game, and, and when you're at the game, you got two kinds of people. You got the spectators, right? You got the fans, you got the people in the crowd, and then you got the, the players, the participants. And there's something about us that I think, uh, even when we're there, it's like, it's so fun to watch, but don't we really all want to be in there participating? Uh, we were, uh, uh, I like to go, uh, it's a big deal every October, uh, there's this big holiday it's called the Red River Rivalry, and it's when OU plays Texas, and so, uh, and so it's, it, it's basically when Oklahoma dominates the state of Texas over and over. And so we were, uh, <laughs> so a few years ago, Amy and I drove down to my buddy John's house, we were watching the game, and, and, uh, and we had, a, one of our friends was there, and, and he was just talking, he was like, man, do you ever like watch these games, and when you're at a game, you're just like, wouldn't it be cool if the coach just like pointed at me and was like, hey, come on in. You're going to play now. And all of us were like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, here's the embarrassing thing. I actually think of that. Okay, like, I, this is, this is going to be embarrassing, but it's just, this is the, who I am. And so uh, if you'll ever learn, sometimes if any of you want to, anybody want to be preachers any time one day, you'll learn that sometimes you'll say things on stage that you would never say in real life, you'll be, you'll embarrass yourself, but this is one of those moments, but, okay, so sometimes when I am going to sleep, my mind starts to kind of drift off, right, kind of that pre-sleep sleep, right, and you're kind of daydreaming, anybody know what I'm talking about, you're not quite asleep yet, and it's almost like you're dreaming, but you can still kind of control it, people call it daydreaming, but whatever, sometimes I maybe start to think about being at, like, a Nuggets game, and all of a sudden, the coach is in desperate need of someone to use for the game. And so like, but, but it kind of changes because I got to have some, it's got to be realistic. So I set up this crazy, it's like a dream world. So I set up these crazy scenarios. Like somehow I win an opportunity to be on the team for a 10 day contract. Uh, and it's just for a fan to get to experience the team. And so then I'm on the team for, this is real. This goes on in my mind. I'm just on the team for like 10 days, but then I'm in the game or, you know, I'm on the bench. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. But I can't just be put in because the coach would never really put me in. But then it's like, oh, but if there's a lot of foul trouble, you know, we get down to like only like seven players. And then if there's a fight and like a bunch of people get kicked out, and then he's like, oh, I got no one left, Dan. You got to go in. And I always hit the game-winning shot, and it's just a small thing. This really happens in my brain. I know, it's embarrassing. But here's the thing is I, I just, you know, there's something about when you're at these things, and, and it's like, oh, I want to be a part. And I want to talk to us today about being a part of what God is doing in this generation. And I want you to know that you do not have to be a spectator, that God wants to use you right now. He wants to use you not, not when you're older, not later, not someday, not when you have the education, not when you have the maturity, not when you have the good looks, not when you have, I mean, I don't know how you're going to get that later, but whatever, you know, but, but he wants to use you right now. So when you go home, when you're driving home tomorrow, when you're flying home, for those of you that are blessed for, you know, when, when you are walking home, for those of you that are close, I don't know, right then God's saying, I want to use you now. This is the time, and I'm not looking at your faults. I'm not looking at your weaknesses. I'm not looking at who you are or are not. I'm looking about, are you willing, and will you say yes? Do you want to be a part of what I am doing? 
And I think that this, there's this stirring within us that we want to be a part of what God is doing. I think it's the reason that you're here. The reason that you're here is because you're saying, you know, there's, okay, God, I want to experience you. I want to know you. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And, and, and we experience God. And the natural overflow of that is saying, okay, now what do I need to do? What, what happens next? What's the next step? We, we, we want to be used by God. It's, and it's the thing that we see with, with uh, not just young people, with people in general where we're asking, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? And we're just saying, well, God, God, what, how can I be a part of what you're doing? And there's this ache within us, this desire within us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to be a part of the story, to be a part of God's story. But I think a lot of us begin to even kind of disqualify ourselves. And we start to think, okay, man, I want to be used by God, but uh, I just, I don't know. Like, am I really good enough? You know, even, even when Mike was sharing, you know, the idea that, that clean people live, you know, act clean, and, but dirty people act dirty. Sometimes we see ourselves as dirty. And so we're like, oh, I want to be used by God, but uh, I'm really dirty. And so surely God won't use me. And so we just stay on the sideline. We don't get put in because we're just kind of like, oh, God doesn't really want to use me. He, I'm probably not going to. Or maybe you start to think of, of your weaknesses and you're like, man, I, I, there's so many people that are smarter than me. Or there's so many people that are, are better, you know, with people than I am. And we start to make up all these excuses as to why we can't be used by God. And, and, and sometimes we're like, okay, maybe one day God's going to use me. And so I just, it, it's, it's not right now, but it's one day in the future. And I have great, great news for you. God has a dream in his heart for you for the future. God wants to use you in great ways for his kingdom, not for yours, for his name, not for yours, in the future. But he doesn't want to just wait for the future. He wants to do it right now. You are qualified to advance the kingdom of God right now. And it's not because of how good you are. It's because of how good he is. It's not because of how smart you are. It's because of how smart he is. And so whether you're 13 or 15 or 17 or somewhere between or underneath or over, I don't care. God wants to use you now. He's looking for people that are willing that'll say yes. That say, okay, God, put a dream in my heart from your dreams into my heart for what you want to use me to do in my family, in my school. God, will you use me? So often that's our prayer and we, we have this desire to be used by God. We have this desire to, to, to see that, that he advances in our lives and, and through us. But we begin to disqualify ourselves so much. We begin to sit back. I want to read 1 Corinthians 26, or sorry, chapter 1, verse 26. This isn't the message. I like the message version right here. It says this, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you were called into this life. You see... I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not many from high society. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chooses men and women that culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? He chooses these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. And that makes it quite clear that none of us can get by with blowing our own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, Clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus. If you've 
disqualified yourself in your own mind. If you've said, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not talented enough. Maybe I'm not athletic enough. Maybe I'm not good enough with people. Maybe I'm not, maybe, ah, well, I don't have what it takes. I want you to hear today, Jesus is saying, good. That's who I'm looking for. And if you're the kind of person that says, I am smart enough, I am talented enough, I do have what it takes. I want you here today, Jesus looking at you and being like, look at me, I'm smarter, I'm more talented, and I want to use you too. He wants to use us even when we feel broken in our weaknesses. He's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking at what, what other people say to you or, or about you. I want to use you. And I want to put the thing, see, see, I knitted you together. I made you, I created you. And all those things that you don't like about yourself, guess what? I made you that way. So you don't like how tall you are. I made you short, Dan. And I love that you're short. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Tell me again. And we're like, we, we, we hate all these things about ourselves, the way we look or, or our personality. And God's like, what are you doing? I made you that way. I love that about you. I made, I created you. Don't, don't make fun of yourself. Because when you make fun of yourself, you're making fun of me, your creator. So stop it because I want to use you. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. I have great plans for my kingdom. And yes, I want to use you. I think it is our cry. It's our desire. I, I would venture to guess that many of us, if not all of us, want to be used by God. But I think that there's something that keeps us from jumping in. There's something that keeps us in the stands or on the sidelines rather than on the field of play. There's something that, that keeps us as spectators rather than participants. And, and there may be a lot of things, but one of the things that I see that will do it over and over and over again is fear. We, we begin to, we, we come and we get excited and we're like, yes, desperation and this is great and I want to go do something great for God. But then when we get home, Oh, man, there's just a little bit of fear of what are my friends really going to think? What am I, what's my family really going to say? What if, what, if it's, what if it's not successful? What if the thing that I, I felt like God gave this dream and dropped this dream in my heart at, at camp or at desperation or at a youth group? But what if it fails? And, and because we have fear, we just kind of shrink back. We take a step back and we're like, oh, I guess, you know what? I'm not really going to participate. I'm just happy sitting and watching. I'm just, because to, to step out and actually participate is to risk embarrassment or to risk failure or to risk people thinking that I am something or, or people talking about me. And, and I just, I, I don't really want those things. I'm afraid of them. Couple, uh, maybe now a couple years ago, I was uh, I was preaching at a, at a thing with DLA. Hey, is there any DLA in here? Can we give some love to DLA? DLA, if you're in here, listen. They are working so hard. They've been praying for you for this past year. They've been preparing for this week in their prayers and in their work. And so, if you see someone in a red shirt that says DLA, give them a hug and a kiss on the forehead. They'll love you for that. And uh, and so I, I was getting ready. I was preparing and. And I, and I was, I was like, okay, I want to share about sharing the gospel and actually going out and telling people about Jesus. 
And so as we do that, I wonder why people don't. I wonder what it is that, that keeps us from that. What is it that keeps us from, from stepping out and talking about Jesus? And so I just text some of my buddies. Uh, some of, and I just said, hey, if you can, just shoot me back your ideas of, of what for you has been kept you from telling people about Jesus. And one after the other came in. Fear of what people will think. Fear of how people will respond. Fear, fear, fear. And the enemy wants to keep us locked in fear and, and because that's what keeps us on the sideline and that's what keeps the kingdom from advancing. Because God's people are inactive. Because we're afraid. We're so afraid of what people will think. We're so afraid of how people will respond. We're so afraid that they'll make fun of me or they won't, they won't come be a part of, of this thing or, or what if they don't like me? What if they don't agree with me? And so we just kind of shrink back and we make up our own theology of why it's okay for us to not do anything. And, and we just decide that, oh, ultimately, my fear of people is greater than my fear of the Lord. My fear of what they're going to think of me is greater than what I actually think about who God is and the mission that he's given me. And so I'm going to just shrink back. I'm going to pull back. I want to read a Bible story here. You guys okay with a little, little story time? A little story time with Uncle Dan. I'm about to be Dad Dan. That's weird. It's, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I imagine it'll be crazy. All right, numbers. Chapter 13. We're going to read this. It's a good chunk of Bible here, but we'll just read through it. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to... Which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So these are the leaders, okay? And then we go to uh, flip down to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through Negev and onto the hill country, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So they went up, they walked around. We'll skip through all those names because it's just embarrassing. In verse 22, when they reached the valley of another name, Eshkol, Eshkol, I should know that. They caught up a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of the men carried it on a pole between them and along with some pomegranates and figs. Each, each place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes uh, of the Israelites cut off there. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And here's what they said in, in verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. And they reported to them and they said the whole assembly, to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. Their cities are fortified and very large. And when we saw the descendants of Anak and the Amalekites living in Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites living in the hill, in the hill country and the Canaanites lived near the sea and along the Jordan, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, yeah, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who came with him said, we cannot attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those who live in, in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. 
We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Chapter 14, verse 5. We're almost through here. Then Moses and Aaron fell, fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I know there's a lot of Bible we just read there, but, but this is the story is the people are, the people of Israel are in the desert and they're, they're, they're hanging out and they're like, hey, we don't really want to be in the desert. And the Lord's like, hey, I have a, ma- I have a promised land for you. A promised land, which means I have promised it to you. You're going to have this land. I promise you. When God, do you know when God gives you a promise, you can stand on it. It's, that's a good thing. If God promises you something, then stand on it, right? His promises are irrevocable. So when God promises the land, they should say, hey, we're going to get that land. And so Moses, the Lord tells Moses to send some scouts and go check it out. So 12 guys, and, uh, and they go look at it. And this is weird. So they're, they're going through all these valleys and hills, and, and they're like, oh, we want to make sure that this looks like Colorado and not like Texas. And they're just like, man, we want to make sure that the land is wonderful and beautiful. I'm just making so many enemies today. I so apologize. I'm not really making, it's mostly just Texans. I really apologize. The hill, I'm sorry. I love, I love the hill, and I love you. And just like I can love a sinner and not the sin, I love you and not Texas. And, uh, and so... <laughs> And so they're walking through and they're looking at it and they're like, oh, Mac, look at this. Hey, look at these grapes. Hey, tie those grapes up, put them on a, on a stick and have, what do you think of these grapes? They took two people on a stick to carry the grapes. Those are large grapes. They're either really large or these are weird guys. I think those are pretty big grapes. They're like kickball sized grapes in a whole cluster, two men carrying them. And they bring it back to Moses and they're like, look at these grapes. You know, like these massive grapes. This land is flowing with milk and honey. This land is incredible. It is awesome. But the people there are massive. They're huge. And we can't overtake them. It's just not possible. You know what? I mean, we looked like grasshoppers to ourselves, let alone how they saw us. And they just start to give this bad report. And they're like, there's no way. And Caleb steps up. And Caleb's like, hey, 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 shut your face. We can do this. God promised us we can do it. And the people are like, oh, no, Caleb, you, no, this is bad. These people are huge. They're going to murder us. Literally. We cannot do it. And then Joshua and Caleb go before all the people. And, 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 and so these 10 other guys, these 10 other scouts had spread this bad report. And so all the people now are like, no, 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 no. It's just not happening. And Joshua and Caleb stand up and they say, no, 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 don't you know? God has promised us this land. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And they pointed out that the reason that these 10 don't want to go is they are afraid. But we don't have to be afraid. Joshua and Caleb didn't say because we're so awesome. They said, no, 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 no. God has promised it to us, he will be the one that does the work. Those people got no chance. It's a story of of 12 guys, 12 guys, 
Two of them had some courage. Ten of them did not. Two of them said, we can do it. Let's go for it. And ten of them said, ah, just, I don't know if it's really worth it. Because I don't know if it's really possible. And man, it just looks so daunting. And it looks like, it sounds great. Listen, it sounds so good. The land is nice. And there's like milk water fountains and honey waterfalls. It's wonderful. Grapes that are just huge. But it sounds nice, but it's just not really possible because I think I just, we, we can't really do it. Those people are huge and we're so small. I think that's a lot of times what we do. We say, God, you've given me this dream and this dream of reaching my campus, this dream of seeing my parents come to you. You've given me this dream of adopting kids from Haiti. You've given me this dream and it sounds so good. But it's just too daunting. And I don't think I can really do it. Maybe somebody else will. And maybe, maybe when I'm older and maybe when I'm more equipped and maybe, maybe later. Do you know that you cannot wait till you are older to reach your high school? Because you won't be there anymore. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. No one can reach your school, junior high, high school, college like you can. John Egan can't come in and reach your school. David Perkins can't come in. Mike Bickle can't come in. You are there every day. No one can influence your family like you can. And we just say, oh, no, no, no. Maybe I'll wait till later. Maybe I'll wait till I have more abilities and more skills. And God's saying, don't wait. I want to use you right now. I believe that God is this morning wanting to drop dreams in our hearts. But he's also wanting to crush fears. He's wanting to say, no, 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 your fears, they don't, you, you, you got to throw those aside. Because here's what fear does. When we have fear, fear keeps us average. It keeps us just normal. We're just, we're afraid of whatever he's going to think. Or we're afraid of how people will respond. We're afraid of failure. And so we don't want to risk anything. We don't want to risk that. And, and, and when we don't want to risk, we just stay normal. You know, so many people are so fighting to be normal. Listen, don't try to be normal. You got far more than normal in you. You have extraordinary in you. You don't need to look like everybody else. You need to look like the creation that God made you to be. Fear will keep you average. Fear will keep you trying to do the same thing as everybody else. Fear will shut you up. It'll keep you quiet. Fear will keep you on the sidelines. Just like it did the 10 scouts, the 10 spies. Do you know of the thousands and thousands of people that were in the desert? Two went into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. The two that said, we can do this. Don't be afraid. Because God. It's not because of me. It's because of him. The Lord wants to use you today. He wants to use you right where you're at. And again, I believe he wants to equip you and, and, and there will be seasons. I'm not trying to say like that we just all of a sudden we say yes and it just everything changes and you're going to go out and just tomorrow you're going to pray a prayer and, and your entire state will get. No, 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 no. It's a process. But I'm saying he wants you to start saying yes today and then say yes tomorrow and then say yes the next day. And if we keep saying yes, he says, I want to put you in the action right now. 
And I want to keep you in the action in a year and in 17 years. And when you are about to die at 32, I want to keep you going. Don't stop. I'll use you. I'll keep using you. And fear keeps us back. Fear keeps us quiet. Fear keeps us from going forward. When I was, uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I played football. That's not true. That's not true. I practiced. I practiced football. And, uh, and there, was, there was a day when, when I went to, uh, I remember the day so clearly when, when we signed up for the team. Yes, it's the kind of football that you sign up for, not try out for. Uh, and I signed up for the team and I was so excited. I was just elated. I was like, yes, I get to play football. This I mean, I remember I was running through the house screaming. I was so excited. I was like, this is gonna be so great. I was doing like karate kicks in the air. I was like, yes, this is so awesome. I'm gonna play football. I was so excited to go and get my helmet and get my pads. And, and you know, I was probably like David before Saul, you know, it was all huge and didn't work. But I was like, I was stoked for it. I was excited. And then I got to the practice field and these kids started hitting me. They were big. And they started tackling me. And I was like, this is not what I thought. I thought it'd be high stepping into the end zone by now. Why am I bleeding on the ground? I was so excited. But then what happened is I I actually started practicing and they started hitting me. And the more they hit me, I just kind of started getting passive. And I started not really wanting to be there as much. And I started thinking, oh, maybe I'm not that good. I would have helped. My parents would have given me a hint on that. But... And I just started kind of shrinking back and I don't really know. Do I really want to do this? I think sometimes we come to a weekend like this. We come to desperation and we can get so excited and we're just amped up. And we're like, yes, I'm going to go and I'm going to reach my school. I'm going to go and I'm going to pray every day for 10 hours or I'm going to go and I'm going to fast for a year. You know, we get so excited. Don't do that, please. Don't fast for a year. And then we get home and we try it. And it's not quite as easy as we thought. And so we just kind of start to get passive and we start to shrink back a little bit. I think sometimes that's because we actually, it was really more about us than it was about Jesus. It was actually more about, oh, I'm excited to be on the team more than I'm excited to actually be a part of the team. It was more of, hey, I'm excited. Look at me rather than, hey, look at Jesus. So this thing, I want you really hear me today. This is about Jesus. But he wants to use you to advance his kingdom. And he wants to use you starting now. So I, even as we, as, we, as we hear that, I'm telling you, it's not going to always be easy. You're going to go home and you're going to have dreams dropped in your heart. I love, this is just so perfect. As Jared was sharing today of the dream dropped in his boy's heart of adopting two kids from Haiti. And guess what? The dream started and it's been a long process. But a seven-year-old had a dream and because of that, two kids' lives will never be the same. It's going to be a long process. I'm not saying it's going to happen right away. But you are not too young. Josiah was eight years old when he took over the kingdom of Judah. Eight! When I was eight, I thought I was king of my family. But he actually was the king of a nation, right? God wants to use you. He loves to use young people, loves it. Joshua was a young man when he became Moses' aide. God loves to use young people. 
When we study, when we look at revivals throughout history, it's a, it is crazy. I don't have time to go through it, but it's crazy how often it's young people crying out in the place of prayer. Young people saying, we want to advance the kingdom. He loves to use young people. He wants to use you. And we need to, Isaiah 6, be willing. All he's looking is for, here I am, send me. Here I am, use me. So I got on the team and I was excited to be playing some football. And then I started getting hit and... And I didn't know if I was as excited anymore. And so we'd go to games. And I remember one time my youth pastor came to one of my games. And I was really excited for him to come watch me stand on the sideline. And afterwards he said, Dan, why don't you want to play? I was like, Pastor, what are you talking about? I have given so much to try and be on this team. I've, I've gone to so many practices. And that coach just will not put me in. That, I mean, it is not, what are you talking about? I don't want to play. Do you know all the things I've sacrificed to be on this team? Do you know all the practices I've gone to? Do you know everything I've done? How much I've ran? How much I've puked? How much I've bled? What are you talking about? And he was like, well, you don't look like you want to play. Because you couldn't be further from the coach. I said, what are you talking about? He was like, when you're standing on the sideline, if you want to get in the game, stand next to the coach. Go stand next to the coach. Let him see that you want to play. But when you're standing a hundred yards away from him, he's probably not going to shout you out and say, get in the game. I think this is the principle that Joshua knew because we see in Exodus 33 that when Moses went to the tent of meeting, he spent time with God. He talked to God like a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses left, his young aide Joshua stayed in the tent. See, Joshua drew close to God. He knew God. He was one that from an early age said, I want to draw close to you. And so I think that that's the reason when things like giants stood before him, he said, I don't care about you, giant. Listen, you're, you're tall. So what? Do you know who my God is? So what? You got big grapes. I don't care. So what? Do you know the promise that God has given to our people? That this is the land he will give us. He knew who God was. He didn't know who he was. Listen, people keep telling you, you need to just find who you are. Find yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. But you need to first find who God is. And he will tell you who you are. Joshua knew who God was. Because of that, he said, this is no big deal. When uh, When I was a kid, so I'm the youngest, right? So my parents and then David, Dana, Deborah, and Dan... My mom's name is Debbie and my dad's name is Hal. Uh, and so uh, anyway, but I was the youngest and my dad used to tell me this. He would tell me when, when uh, my siblings would, would we, we didn't really fight much, but when they'd pick on me or anything, he came to me and he said, okay, Dan, here's the deal. If you start the fight, then I'm going to let them finish it. But if they start it, I'll finish it. Oh, that was a good deal because I knew my dad's bigger than David. At the time. My dad's bigger than Dana and Deborah. If they start the fight. He'll finish it. Good. I don't have to be afraid of my my siblings picking on me. So I'd kind of try to get them to start the fight. Anyway. You know. When we know who our God is, when we know who it is, Romans says that if God is for you, who who can be against you? When we know this God that is for us. Then all of a sudden, all the giants in the land aren't as scary. All of a sudden, all the things that come up and scream at you 
and tell you why you shouldn't be pressing forward, it's not quite as scary. Because you're like, listen, listen, listen. I'm not scared of you. Not because I'm so strong. Do you know who's got my back? Do you know the God that's for me? And that really is what this is all about. Let me go here. Romans 8, verse 15. This is what this, is, this whole week has been about. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received a spirit of adoption, of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Here is the reason that you don't have to be afraid. God loves you. You as an individual. That's why you didn't receive a spirit of fear. You've received a spirit of sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. By him we say, yes, that's my dad. That's my father. He's got my back. And if he's for me, then I can be fearless for him. And I can do what he asked me to do. And I can be courageous. This whole thing is about him. It's not really about you. This whole thing is about who he is. And so he's going to begin today and this week, maybe he already has, or on the drive home. I believe that God's going to begin to speak to you some of these dreams. These little things, to, that these, maybe it's little, maybe it's big, I don't know. But, but these dreams of how you can jump in and make a difference for the kingdom now. And then you'll decide, am I going to be one of the ten or one of the two? Am I going to be one of the ten who said, came back and spread a bad report and said, this surely can't happen? Or am I going to be one that says, I have no reason to fear because this is what God has said and I'm going to go forward on him and what he has promised. The Lord wants to use you today. He wants to give you dreams and visions today. He wants to give you hope for your family, hope for your school, hope for your city, hope for this nation. And I believe he's given creative ideas. It may look different than other people have done before because you're different than other people. But he has set you apart and said, I've called you to follow me. And I want to use you in the way that I made you. You need to say yes to me. So three things real quick that I think if, we, if you're someone that says, I want to jump in right now. I want to be a part of what God's doing today. The first one is we got to be like Joshua and draw close to God. We got to be like Joshua and we got to say, listen, the way that I do this. The, the, you know, I mean, it's what Banning talked about. It's what we've talked about so much. The most effective way and the easiest way for you to be a part of the action today is through prayer. It's the most effective. It's the easiest thing for you to do. You don't have to be very talented. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be talented at all. You don't have to be good. You know, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you smell like. Unless it's a corporate prayer meeting. And then it does matter what you smell like. Draw close to God and he will speak how he loves you. He will speak who you are. Draw close to God in the place of prayer. You will begin to, listen, this is ultimately about him anyway. So whether you're the one that is is sowing or reaping doesn't matter. But it's through prayer that we see the kingdom advance. So draw close to God like Joshua. Commit to being someone that you're going to stay in the tent of meeting. You're going to stay close to God. It's the number one way that you'll be effective and being used by God today. Second thing I think you can do, if you want to be used by God right now, is to actually begin serving somewhere. And so I want to, I want to encourage you to serve your student ministry that you're part of. I want you to, I, when you go home, if you want to be used by God, and if you're someone that says, I want to be, God, I want you to use you. How do you want to use me? He said, well, you're in this church 
Why don't you serve this church? Why don't you jump on with, with what Blake's doing and find out what his heart is and just serve? Why don't you find out what Brand is doing and, and find out how you can help? You know, it doesn't always have to be your idea. God speaks to other people too. And sometimes it's right for us to come in and say, God, how can I help? And he says, go serve in humility. And if you're willing to serve, that's just what I found is if you're willing to serve, then oftentimes you'll find that you actually have the opportunity to lead. That's the kingdom principle. Leading is actually serving. So when you go home, serve your church, serve your student ministry, serve your youth pastor. Just say, how can I help? Sometimes, some days you need to come to them and say, hey, I have this great idea that God gave me. Can we do this? But most days you need to say, hey, God's put you as my pastor. How can I serve what God's put in your heart? Most days you need to go say, hey, what can I do to help what God's doing in this city? And and you're one of the leaders here. What can we do to serve? And then the third one is to live every day on mission. This is part of the vow is what we talk about being on mission. Every day we want to be on mission with Jesus. Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, how can I partner with where you, what you're doing? Jesus, I want you to begin to see your, your schools as, as a mission field. I want to, you to begin to see uh, your friends as a mission field. These are, these are people that need Jesus. And it, listen, when I say mission and they need Jesus, I'm not simply talking about like we need converts because this is some kind of you know, great game where there's a score kept. No, 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 no. Do you realize that Jesus deserves their worship? Jesus longs for their life. He loves them. He has the best for them in mind. That's the reason we tell people about Jesus. That's the reason we want people to come to Jesus is because it's what he deserves and it's what's best for them. And so if we love them, we want to tell them about Jesus. So we want to live on mission day in and day out. Jesus, what is your mission in my school? What, what would you like me to do? Jesus, what, how can I be on mission in my family today? Jesus, how can I be on mission with my friends? And this is the place where God's going to drop dreams into your heart. He's going to give you ideas. He's going to give you hope. He's going to give you different, different practical things. Sometimes it's going to be a great dream that just seems way bigger than you could ever do. I love those. Just jump in and say yes. And sometimes it's going to be really, really practical. And you're just going to, you're going to be praying and you're going to feel like God tells you to send a text message to somebody. That's like so practical. But just, hey, praying for you today. Be encouraged. It may be a great, huge thing where you feel like you're supposed to rally the entire city to pray. Or it may be a thing where you're supposed to just go to one of your friends and say, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. It doesn't matter big or small because it's not ultimately about us. It's about him and it's about being obedient to him. But let's live on mission. Let's live with focus. Let's say, Jesus, what are you wanting to do today? Okay? I believe that Jesus desires to use you. And you don't have to disqualify yourself because you're young. You don't have to disqualify yourself because you don't feel like you're, you're smart enough or educated enough. You don't, have to, you don't have to back out because you, you know, I mean, where scripture says to not let anyone look down on you because you are young. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Don't do it. Stop doing it. He wants to use you now. And don't allow fear to hold you back. Don't allow fear to, sh- to cause you to shrink back. Get to know the one who, if he is for you, who dare be against you? If you go ahead and stand with me. Just want to do a couple of quick prayers. First, I want to pray for those of you that you know that there has been fear that has kept you from getting from from actually being a participant in what God is doing, and you've really you've you've. Scaled back to just a spectator because fear has kept you back. 
There may be fear of what people are thinking or fear. I, I mean, there's lots of fears that it could be. But you know that you've just, you haven't stepped out in boldness and courage. Where the scripture says that we are not of those that shrink back. But you know that maybe sometimes I've, I've shrunk back. Whatever that fear is. I want to pray for those of you that you know fear has kept you in chains and kept you back and shackled you. And I just want to invite you to put your hands out like this. Holy Spirit, today I pray that you would come and move in power and break these fears in the name of Jesus. I pray for a greater revelation of who you are so that fears fall. God, I pray for those that have shrunk back because of fear of man or fear of of failure. God, I pray for your courage and boldness. The righteous are as bold as lions. I pray in this room today that there would be those righteous and bold as lions. In Jesus' name. Here's one more thing I want us to do. Let's just go into singing a chorus. And as we sing this final chorus, I want you to ask the Lord to speak to you and begin to drop a dream into your heart. Jesus, it's a simple prayer. Jesus, I want to be used by you today. I want to be used by you now. What is the dream that you want to drop into my heart today? What is the vision? What is the mission? In John 10, Jesus says that his followers, his sheep, hear his voice and obey him. He'll speak to you today. So just ask him to. So Holy Spirit, as we worship, as we sing, I ask, would you tell us, how can we be a part of what you are doing? We want to press forward, advancing your kingdom. What you want us to do, God, I pray that you would stir in us today. I pray right now that you would be speaking. Prayer meeting started. Bible studies started. Prayer walking hospitals. God, I pray that right now there would be just your dreams for how to reach a city or how to reach a school or how to reach friends, how to worship you more how to rally worship, how to rally prayer, how to rally consecration. Creator God, I pray for creative ideas today from you in the name of Jesus.